Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. I've always been fascinated with time. Um, I think that's because um, I'm fascinated with the fact that people can endure hard times and that people can achieve great things. But especially in the hard times, people experience it and there's a time period in which they go through and they heal, they develop hope, and they develop a different perspective from everyone else simply because of what had happened to them. Time. The title of this message is Time. I love how I can look at people and see and wonder and try to figure out how they went through what they did and yet still today serve at this church or serve in another church somewhere else or do great things in their life. And I'm fascinated with this, with this idea of time and how we can take our lives and capture, hold on to, pause these moments in time and do great things with them. You know, time ripens fruits, vegetables, things of the ground. Time heals. Time matures in people. Time is consistent. It goes every second, every minute, every hour, every day, every week, every month, every year, and on and on and on and on. And everyone, at some point in their life, just as they worship something at all times, just as that is so, so are we in different aspects, in different stages in our life regarding time. I'm 22, I'm, I'm 22 years old, um, and there's some of you in here who may be in your 70s or 80s, and you've endured a lot more time and a lot more hardships and a lot more great things than I have, and that's simply because of time that has progressed. In Genesis 4 and 6, I'm going to skip around a little bit, but in Genesis 4 and 6, we see four truths about time that I believe that can help us capture moments in time and do great things with them. Capture the opportunity to do great things. So I want to start in Genesis 4. I'm going to skip around a little bit and I'll tell you where I'm at. I'm going to start in verses, uh, in chapter 4, verse 2b. It says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought uh, fat portions and some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and of his offering. But on Cain, his offering did not look, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why? Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother And killed him. 
It's a criminal minds moment. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be, rest, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Skip to verse 25 in chapter 4. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. God granted me another child in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enos. And at that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. I'll read the first ten verses of chapter 6. When man began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal, and his, his days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth, and in those days... And also afterwards, when the men of the sons of God went to the daughters of men and had children by them. They were heroes of old and men of renown. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. The Lord grieved that he had made man on the earth. And his heart was filled with pain. So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground, the birds of the air, for I am grieved that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Time is a powerful thing. And there's four truths that I want to speak about tonight. The first is this. Time is a process. Time is a process. That's what, this is what happens second after second, minute after minute, hour after hour, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. This is a process. This is a case when time heals when, you know, luckily in our, in our world today, there are so many distractions. And oftentimes, when, if something bad happens in our lives, it's, um, I would say, more easier to uh, get distracted. Um, maybe I know it depends on the situation, but it's easier possibly to get distracted and, and, be, and have the ability to move past these things and to learn from them and gain hope. You see... Uh, in verse in, in Genesis four three it says, In the course of time Cain brought the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But the thing about it is, Cain, when he was smaller, he didn't yet he didn't you know, he didn't understand what it meant to uh, grow fruit. And he didn't understand what it meant for them to be ripened, and he didn't quite understand what it meant for for you to get the best results when growing something, because he worked with the soil. 
But yet, after time had progressed and time had processed, he was able to do that. He was able to understand what it meant for, for the fruit to grow, for the oranges to become ripe, and, and the oxygen and the water and the nutrients that cause these oranges and apples to grow. And in the case of an orange, you have the little, the little pockets of citrus juice, right, that are so good and sweet to the mouth and to the tongue. But Cain had to progress in his life. He had to mature. Time had to process in order for him to grow this fruit. I watched The Lion King last night on ABC Family. And um, I haven't watched that in a long, long time. Dad asked me why I recorded it. And to me, that was a no-brainer. I don't know why I asked that. But I love The Lion King. Um, Simba, in his younger years, wanted to be king because his dad was the king of Pride Rock, right? Does everybody remember that? I, don't, I forgot his name. Mufasa, was that his name? Mufasa? His dad was Mufasa, and he had the great big long hair and the beard, and he was big and masculine, and he had that deep, deep, deep voice. He was king. And Simba, his son, was next in line to be the king of Pride Rock. And so Simba would go around to all the smaller lizards and the uh, little animals of the ground, and he would try to roar at them. But they would just look at him like, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? You're not, you know, you're not your dad. What are you doing? He was young. So, what was his uncle's name? Jafar? Jafar am I, or am I an Aladdin? Which, what's it? <laughs> Jafar's Aladdin? I'm sorry. What, what was the name? Rafiki? Rafiki? No, no. What, what was the name of, uh, of uh, uh, Simba's uncle? Scar! 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 Scar had schemed to kill uh, Mufasa because he wanted to become king. This is a separate issue here, but he wanted to become king. So what he did is he plotted for Simba to be blamed for what happened. Am I still on the right story track here? We're still good? He blamed and accused and brainwashed Simba to make him run away because Scar wanted to be king. And Scar knew that if Mufasa died and Simba was still there, Simba would be king, and Scar would have to bow down and serve his nephew. And so Simba ran off with Timon, and he found Timon and uh, Pumbaa, right? Timon and Pumbaa. Akuna Matata, no worries. That's what he was raised in. Over time, that's what he grew to know. And then as they're walking on the log and they're singing that song, you start to see hair grow on his face and all over his body. And he becomes huge and big and, he, and his voice starts to, get, starts to deepen because time has passed. Time is maturing. Time is a process. And eventually, as you all know, Simba went back and conquered Pride Rock. And it was because of time that that happened, because of the process of time. Not only is time a process, time is a spontaneous response. And Genesis 4.26 says this, Seth also had a son and named him Enosh. At that time, the people began to call on the name of the Lord. You could imagine that the people of that time were probably scared out of their mind when Cain killed 
able. One is, I don't want this guy killing me. Two, I believe, uh, due to details in the scripture, that the people knew the heart of Cain. And they knew the heart of Abel. And they became frightened and really worried about their future when uh, Abel was killed by his son, because, by, by his brother, because they, were, they feared that the leadership in the future, we can assume they, they were scared and they were frightened and they didn't know what was going to happen. But yet, Seth came along. God blessed them and Seth came along and they knew his heart and Seth had a son. And the people began to realize, okay, I understand now. God has provided for his people. God has come to the need of his people. And they respond spontaneously. At that time, the people began to call on the name of the Lord. It was a spontaneous response to what God did and how God provided for their need. I see a spontaneous response when we have an altar call and maybe people come down, but yet people in the congregation still shed tears because there's a spontaneous response due to God's presence in this place spontaneous. That moment in time is spontaneous because of God's greatness. The same thing happens um, in surrender or when something amazing happens. You know, during this revival, I'm, I'm, I'm excited and I can't wait to see the spontaneous response that's going to happen here because Everyone, every heart or every mind may not be geared into what we're doing here. I hope most are. But the ones who are are going to be changed and there are going to be spontaneous results because of what God is doing at this revival season, season at our church. And that's exciting to look forward to. It's only a week away. The big revival starts. The third thing is this. Time is intentional. In verses uh, in, in Genesis uh, six five, it says this: The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all of the time. You know, essentially, that can derive from our bad habits that we may create, and because at that moment in time. We desire to do something. Our hearts desire to do something. Although we know that it's not right. It's an, it's an intentional decision that we make. And these people had apparently done that. And their values were wrong. And over time they had become so deluded. That everybody on the earth had become evil. It derived from an intentional decision. I, I, I struggle with self-discipline. In order for, uh, for me to conquer self-discipline, and maybe some of you who suffer with the same thing, we have to capture these moments in time that we can hold on to and intentionally decide that we have to do something. No, we can't postpone it till later. We have to do it now. We can't postpone this revival in our church because our church hungers for it. We do. And so what we have to do is we have to take this moment in time, this season of revival, and intentionally respond to God's calling in our lives and at this church. 
We have to do that. It's that moment in time. This is also things that we may have to do. You know, here lately, a lot of you know about the situation with my granddad and all. There was a time where I had to, my family and I had to take our time, pause it, and care after him and intentionally look after him and make sure that all goes well. Maybe, and that's the same thing with the, in the lives of our friends. If we have someone close to us who's going through a hard time, we have to intentionally capture that moment in time, stop, help them, and respond th- to their needs. We have to do that. The last uh, truth about time is this. Not only is time a process, not only is it spontaneous, not only is it intentional, but it's also reputable. Genesis 6, 9 says this. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. He was blameless among the people of his time. Noah had a reputation due to the fact that he captured his time and he allotted and he allowed God to work in his life during those times that passed us by all too quickly sometimes. If I go to my granddad's house and I walk into a room, his guest room, and I look on one wall, all I see are plaques from civic-oriented uh, services, such as uh, ball teams from my t-ball teams or my dad's basketball teams, football teams, baseball teams, my uncle's marching band and vocal performances, whether it be uh, cooking hot dogs at the bank or for a customer appreciation day or um, doing things around the community that helps, that, 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 that enhances his reputation because of his heart. Granddad has a reputation because he has allotted time to serve. Time is reputable. And I cherish that about him. There's a girl in our student ministry. Her name is Jessica Hammett. Jessica Hammett is a special person. Um, She was given the nickname Ghetto Fabulous at Centrifuge by a Fuge leader. Everybody remembers that, right? Everybody knows her as Ghetto Fabulous. Over time, that's been her reputation. She has been called Ghetto Fabulous. But you know what? I'm so proud of her for this. In the hallway yesterday, I don't know, I don't know who I was around, but as we were leaving yesterday in the hallway at the hotel, somebody came up to her and and said, your name's Ghetto Fabulous, right? Or something to, that, something, to, something to that extent. And she said, no, that was then. My name is Jessica now. Time is reputable. Her name is not no longer Ghetto Fabulous. Her name is Jessica. Time has progressed. Time has taken its toll. And she has matured. Because she's not Ghetto Fabulous anymore. She is Jessica Hammett. Time is reputable. This time in our church during the Fire Under the Tower revival, we have the opportunity to capture this time. We're not having a revival just because 
people because it's what other churches do and it's that time of year. We're, we're having this revival because there is a hunger in our church that has been expressed verbally in many different ways to our staff that we need a revival in this church. And I believe that since time is infinite and time never stops and time is going to keep progressing until we get to this revival season. We've began it, but we're about to get to the heart of it next week. Since time, since we've been allotted the time to do so, I believe we have the capability, both mentally, physically, in every aspect of our life, to capture that moment. It's going to be a process. There's going to be spontaneous things that happen during this time. Time is going to be intentional. Our time needs to be intentional during this revival. And our time, the way, and the way we capture our time is going to become reputable. And that's the way the love of Christ spreads. It's through capturing, taking the opportunity to capturing time. And God pouring into our lives and and us burning, burning like a fire. And people can see the fire from miles away because it is reputable. Because we intentionally desired this revival in our life and great things came through it. Colossians 1, 15 7 through 17 says this. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the first over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether on thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. In him time is given to us, and, it's, and it happens over and over and over again. Some of you may have read this before on a forward through email, but I found this, and I love this. This is the story about time. It says this. It had been some time since Jack had seen the old man. College, girls, career, and life itself got in the way. In fact, Jack moved clear across the country in pursuit of his dreams. There, in the rush of his busy life, Jack had little time to think about the past and often no time to spend with his wife and his son. He was, on a, he was working on his future and nothing could stop him. Over the phone, his mother told him, Mr. Belzer died last night. The funeral is Wednesday. Memories flashed through his head like an old newsreel as he sat down quietly, remembering his childhood days. Jack, did you hear me? His mother said. Oh, sorry, Mom. Yes, I heard you, but it's been a long time since I thought of him. I'm sorry, but honestly, I thought that he died many years ago, Jack said. Well, he didn't forget you. Every time I saw him, he'd ask you, he'd, he'd ask how you were doing. He'd reminisce about the many days you spent over his side of the fence, as he put it. His mom told him. I love that old house he lived in, Jack said. You know, Jack, after your father died, Mr. Belzer stepped in to make sure that you had a man, man's influence in your life, she said. He's the one who taught me carpentry, he said. I wouldn't be in this business if it weren't for him. He spent a lot of time teaching me things he thought were important. Mom, I'll be there for the funeral, Jack said. 
As busy as he was, he kept his word. Jack caught the next fly to his hometown. Mr. Belzer, Mr. Belzer's funeral was, a small and un, was small and uneventful. He had no children of his own, and most of his relatives had passed away. The night before he had to return home, Jack and his mom stopped by to see their old house next door one more time. Standing in the doorway, Jack paused for a moment, and it was like crossing over into another dimension. Leaping through space and time, the house was exactly as Jack had remembered it. Every step held memories, every picture, every piece of furniture, but then Jack stopped suddenly. What's wrong, Jack? His mom asked. The box is gone. What box? His mom asked. There was a small gold box that he kept locked on the top of his desk. I must have asked him a thousand times what was inside. All he'd ever tell me was, the thing that I value the most, Jack said. It was gone. The gold box was gone. Everything about the house was exactly how Jack had remembered it, except for the box. He figured someone from the Belzer family had taken it. Now, I'll never know what was so valuable to my mentor. I better get some sleep. I have an early flight home, Mom. It had been about two weeks since Mr. Belzer died. Returning home from work one day, Jack discovered a note in his mailbox. Signature required on a package. No one at home. Please stop by the main post office within the next three days, the note read. Early the next day, Jack retrieved the package. A small box. The small box was old, and it looked like it had been mailed over a 100 years ago. The handwriting was difficult to read, but the address caught his attention. Mr. Harold Belzer, it read. Jack took the box out of the car and ripped open the package. There inside was a gold box and an envelope. Jack's hand shook as he read the note inside. In quotes, Upon my death, please forward this box and its contents to Jack Bennett. It's the thing that I value the most in my life. A small key was taped to the letter. His heart raced and his tears filled his eyes. Jack carefully unlocked the box and there inside he found a golden pocket watch. Running his fingers slowly over the finely etched casing, he unlatched the cover. Inside he found these words engraved on the watch. Jack, thanks for your time. Harold Belzer. The thing that he valued the most was my time, Jack said. Jack held the watch for a few moments, then called his office and cleared his appointments for the next two days. Why, Janet, his assistant asked. I've got to take time with my family. What Mr. Belzer Jack's mentor valued the most in his life was Jack's time. What God values the most in our life is our time. God has this little gold box 
has this little box, and he has our name etched on this small golden pocket watch because he desires, he yearns for our time. So let's give it to him during our time of revival. Praise man, y'all can come up while I pray. And we'll sing one last song. Father, we thank you for giving us time. Lord, you give us time to spend with our family. You give us time to spend with our friends. You give us time to desire you, to look for you, to search for you, to reach out our hands and try to find you and and discover the mysteries that are about you and your character. Lord, you've allotted time to be a process. You've made time to be intentional. You've made time to be spontaneous, Lord. You've made time to be reputable. And God, we thank you for that. Thank you for having that little gold watch in a box with our name on it because you desire our time. So Lord, I pray that we'll recognize that little gold watch during this time of revival. And may it stick with us that the fact that you love us so much, that you died on the cross for our sins, and because of that, you have allotted us time to spend with you. And may we take advantage of that during this revival time in our life. And even beyond it, God, light us on fire. We love you. We seek after you. And revive our hearts, Lord. Build your kingdom. Build this church in the way that you would have it to go, not based on numbers, but based on the spiritual depth of the people of this church. In your name I pray, amen.